Hi, you're listening to 10-Minute IS Paper. My name is Blair Wang. Today's paper is called Heteromation and its Discontents, the Invisible Division of Labor Between Humans and Machines. It's written by two authors, Ekbia and Nardi, and it's published in First Monday, which is an online journal, peer-reviewed, and it dates back to 2014, but it's still really interesting and relevant for today. So this paper is basically about the limits of automation and how we've arrived at a very interesting arrangement of work uh, for the human as part of mostly automated systems. If you think about like this experience that I'm sure many of us have had where we're trying to log into some computer system and they, they throw this thing at you, it's like a grid of nine squares, a three by three, and you have to click on the ones with the traffic lights or the ones with the taxis. Uh, that is a classic example of humans feeding the machine for some part of the machine that it can't do. And this is, this is an interesting problem, right? Because we are at the same time as humanity really working hard to increase what the machine can do. Uh, that's what we call artificial intelligence. So to get us started, uh, Ekbia and Nardi want to really focus our attention towards a particular way of seeing technology and the history of how technology has developed. You know, some of you might be familiar with this model of how back in the day we had mainframes and they were the size of a room. Then we had PCs, personal computers, and they're sort of like these cute little boxes that can do some computing tasks. And then we decide to hook them up to each other and we have the internet and then web 2.0. But Ekbia and Nardi really want to focus our attention on what they call the political economy perspective. And that's think about issues of, well, politics and economics, you know, of labor and reward, of legislation, of how these things are managed within society. And that's a pretty important view for us information systems researchers and people who are interested in these topics to take. So they acknowledge that they're introducing a new word here. I mean, the fact that humans and machines work alongside each other, that's, that's basically crowdsourcing, right? And that's sometimes referred to as human computation. So why this new word? Why this word heteromation? Well, if you look at this word heteromation, the prefix hetero means the other. So what this is about is saying that it's not always automation. It's not always work being done by the machine, but it's also not the case that all the work is being done by the humans, of course. Rather, it's a case where we've got work going back and forth always going to the other in ways that are often unexpected and in ways that are often invisible, as we see in the title of the paper, the often invisible division of labor between humans and machines. One view that you might be familiar with is that this is all just because humans and machines do things differently and they're good at different things, right? This old narrative that computers are good at routine tasks and humans are good at very creative tasks and we get them to sit together and they each complement each other. And that's certainly a nice rosy view of the world, but it's kind of not what's actually happening. And that's the point that Ekbia and Nardi are making in this paper. Uh, certainly, there's a good historical reason why we have that view. And in, in actually, in section two, if you've got this paper with you, it's, it's on the internet, uh, so you can pull it up and we'll put a link in the show notes. Um, but in section two of the paper, it has the historical backdrop. And so some of you folks might be familiar with like Herbert Simon or Frederick Taylor, classic figures in the history of both business and commerce studies, as well as history of technology. And they're kind of at the intersection of the two. 
And certainly back then, a lot of the view was that we'd end up with machines that would just replace humans altogether. The humans can take a back seat while the machines do all our, all our work for us. That's just kind of not what we'd ended up with. So what we've arrived at instead is what they then talk about in section three. And I love these titles that they put in. Uh, we had augmentation, the machine comes to the rescue in section two. And in section three, the whole section is called heteromation, the machine calls for help. So how does the machine call for help? Ekpia and Nardi answer this in four different ways according to four different case studies. The first of which is Mechanical Turk. You might have heard about Mechanical Turk. Jeff Bezos, the CEO of Amazon who owns Mechanical Turk, referred to it in 2006 as humans as a service. Mechanical Turk is a website where you can contract an army of humans to do routine automatable tasks that you would think could be automated but at this stage, and I quote Ekbia and Nardi here, in the current economy, labor supplied by human workers is cheaper than comparable automated systems. In other words, we could train the computer to do this, but then we'd have to hire programmers. We'd have to do extensive research. It's cheaper just to pay an army of lowly paid humans to do this task. And so this is a great example, according to Ekbia and Nardi, that it's absolutely not true that we are just getting machines to do what machines are good at and humans to do what humans are good at. Rather, it's basically, what do the dollars say? The second example by Ekbia and Nardi is called Citizen Science Problem Solving by the Crowd. And you may have heard of these uh, distributed computer systems that do protein folding. It's a fairly important thing for modern medical science. Now, the thing with protein folding is you probably know about the one where you use your computer's spare computational power to help with the protein folding. But of course, there are tasks where even the army of computers, of, of people who volunteer their computer's spare processing power, they can't solve it. And so they rely on people to, to play a game. Uh, this game apparently is called Fold It, and the people hop onto Fold It and they play this game and they fold the proteins, and they've actually achieved some great things. Players find the game's puzzles challenging and stimulating, according to Ekbia and Nardi, and they've discovered significant protein structures. And an important point here is the players are not paid, but reap significant affective rewards. But even more interestingly, Ekbia and Nardi say, the players themselves have turned to automation. As part of play, they automate their own routines, creating algorithms that speed repetitive sequences of actions. So what they're saying here is that there's no natural human-machine division of labor at work. The human and the machine keep delegating back to each other. We've got a huge automated system where they've delegated some of the work to humans who then take a technical turn and loop us back towards automation, according to Ekbia and Nardi. The third case study is video games, and specifically League of Legends, where apparently uh, there are certain players who are a bit rude towards other people. And in certain games, like they give the example of World of Warcraft, uh, the company, in that case Blizzard, would hire game masters to be there and moderate everything that's happening. But what uh, League of Legends does instead, they don't pay game masters to moderate everything. Instead, they set up a system, they call it the Tribunal in League of Legends, where players can preside over these virtual judgment cases. They can choose to punish or pardon people based on their assessment of these people's chat logs. We're looking at a task where in another game, World of Warcraft, 
people would get paid to do this work, which here they're asked to do voluntarily as part of community contribution. And finally, Facebook and Google, user-generated content. The point here is fairly brief and straightforward, and you've probably heard of it. The fact that there are these huge and profitable platforms that hinge their success on the people who submit content to them. Facebook would not be powerful or rich if it weren't for the fact that they've got, and I quote here, the largest unpaid workforce in history. All of us sending our photos to Facebook, talking to one another on Facebook, and in the meantime, generating ad revenue for Facebook. So what's the point of all this? Well, the discussion goes like this, and we're on the fourth section now. The cases here illustrate different situations in which human labor contribute to technical systems and their work, and the role of these humans and their contribution is often trivialized and invisible. Most of the time, they don't get material rewards. They just get a sense of pleasure that they've done something good for their community. And we have all these, and I quote here, celebratory accounts of participatory culture, peer production, and the like that valorize labor relations in which enterprises extract free or low-cost labor for their own benefit. So the conclusion here, and they end the paper with this. Our aim in introducing the concept of heteromation is partly to make visible the contributions of those whose labor is not acknowledged, rewarded, and conceptualized in discussions of technology or economy. This has been an episode of 10 Minute IS Paper. Thanks for listening. The music on this show is composed and performed by Kevin McLeod and generously licensed under Creative Commons. You can find out more about the show at tmisp.org And you can reach out to me, Blair Wang, at www.blair.wang.